Yo, yo, yo. What's up, everybody? This is your boy, Isaac. And this is your boy, Bryce. And we are Brothers on Tennis. And folks, we're going to do something special for you today. I know we typically come at you with episode after episode, but, you know, with us staying inside and social distancing and everything, we figured we'd come at you with, you know, just some just some different ideas and different topics. So this will be a fun one. At least we hope so. Bryce, you want to kind of explain to the folks what we're going to try and do here? Yeah, so every couple of days, we figure, since we are here at home like everybody else is, uh, and, and to be clear, Isaac is at his house, I'm at my house, so we are respecting the social distancing thing, yes. um, but, you know, we know people are really kind of starving for some content, and, and we miss talking to you guys, and so we want to try to bring you something every couple of days. Maybe it'll be something that's only 10 or 15 minutes. Maybe it'll be something that's up to an hour. Uh, but it all depends. Right. It all depends on what the subject is. But uh, sometimes, and probably most of the times, it will be tennis related. Sometimes we may veer off <laughs> and talk about something else, music yes. or another sport or, or whatever is going on. And we want to continue to provide you any kind of updates we're hearing out in the world of tennis as well, just to kind of keep you up to speed. So uh, probably the, the latest thing that we heard today was that the All England Lawn Tennis Association is going to be making a decision about the fate of Wimbledon 2020 next week. And, and to be very honest with you, kind of the chatter that I'm hearing is not really so much about a postponement as I'm hearing about a cancellation for 2020. Wow. Isaac, you know, kind of, what do you think about that? Yeah, man. I mean, I, 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 it's shocking, but at the same time, it's understandable. Um, I would hate for there to be no Wimbledon in 2020. That would just hurt my heart. But, uh, yeah. you know, as we know, there's only so you know, long of a window that you have, um, you know, to be able to, to, to hold, hold Wimbledon because, you know, you want it to be in the summertime, green grass. I mean, when it starts getting cold outside, you don't want to be <laughs> up on no grass trying to, trying to run around. That is, uh, that is not like, the deal. So be like I, playing it, on it's, it's, glass. Exactly. Just slide around like you play hockey or something. So no, that's, that's not a good look. So, <laughs> so yeah, man, how about you? What, what, what were your thoughts about it when you heard that? It's just weird thinking about a tournament of Wimbledon's magnitude and history not being played at all for the year. Like you will look back at 2020 and there will not be a result there now don't get me wrong we we're fully behind the reasoning of why <laughs> there is not going to potentially be any Wimbledon and I'm sure even historically we'll look back and say oh that was the coronavirus uh situation but um there's it's it's just going to be different uh, not having that and 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 who knows by the time it's all said and done with at the end of this year the Australian Open may be the only Grand Slam tournament that was played. <laughs> exactly. All in 2020, year. right? Exactly. So, um, and I just, I don't know, you know, it's, it's a little bit of the conversation we had on our last episode. You just really start to wonder how these postponements and these cancellations on both the men's and the women's tour, 
how it's going to impact some people's careers and how long they play. Are some people going to go ahead and call it? Um, is it going to still be the greatest thing ever for someone like a Federer who had decided to have his knee surgery <laughs> and, and now can be fully recovered and it extends his career? Will Venus, you know, call it at the end of 2020 or will she still try to make the Olympic squad for 2021? It's, it's just so many things up in the air. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. But like anything, you know, we will roll with the punches and we will continue to report what we hear. And uh, yeah, it'll just be, a, a, you know, a point of time in the record books, man. Exactly. So let's talk about what we're going to talk about today. Yeah. And and listeners, you know, this whole concept was inspired by and I don't know if you've been watching the tennis channel this week, but they've been reviewing the 100 greatest players of all time. At first, I was a little kind of uh about it because it's the same list they did like about eight years ago. It So when Serena wasn't even in the top 10 of their mm-hmm. consideration, it's like, uh, Djokovic was like number 40. <laughs> so, uh, but what I did like about what they did is they had the commentators kind of give their updated views on where these people were falling in 2020. So Mm -hmm. Isaac and I had this idea. What if we built the ideal tennis player for both both for men and women, and we built these players based upon the strokes and the attributes of the greats that have played over the years? And, you know, what would those players look like and you know what forehand would the men would the male have what backhand would the female have and uh just to be kind of completely up front isaac and i pulled together our list and we pulled pulled them together pretty quickly but we reckon we think so much alike that (laughs) our players were looking like the same player (laughs) right so what Exactly. So what we did for the sake of this exercise is if there was a category or there was an attribute for one of the players that we kind of picked the same person, if one of us had a number two player that we were kind of considering in that spot as well, we went with the number two. So just to kind of give you as listeners uh, different attributes and different players to hear, and it doesn't sound like we're just repeating ourselves uh, <laughs> each section. So, uh, Isaac, do you want to talk about, you know, what are the different attributes we're going to review? Yeah, absolutely. So, what we are going to talk about in our ultimate male and female player, uh, we will we will select based on the greatest serve, uh, uh, forehand, backhand, net game, return of serve, movement, and finally, the mental game. So we're going to pick our players based on those seven categories. Should be fun, right? It's going to be good. (laughs) And there may be some surprises here for a couple of you. So uh, (laughs) let's just go ahead and dive in and get started. So Isaac, I don't know how we want to do this. Do we want to just go, you know, stroke and talk, you know, the men and the women? Or do we want to go down all the men and then all the women? What do you think works best? 
I'd say let's go. Let's let's go by gender. Let's just go all of them. But let's hit the, who our our you know female player would be, then who our male player since ladies first, and then that way they can get a picture in their mind of who this person would potentially look like. <laughs> you know, you have the good. board where you're putting all the faces and the arms and legs. And... <laughs> I play it's gonna look like Frankenstein. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so crazy. Oh man. All, All right, right. So for the women. Yeah. And, and and Isaac, I'll just kind of take the lead on on this part. Yeah. Now, on this particular stroke, the serve, you have to forgive everything I just said about <laughs> Isaac and I picking <laughs> two different players. Right. You know. I think it's everybody's on the same page with the greatest serve of all time for women. And Isaac, that would be? That is the queen, Bryce. That is Miss <laughs> Serena Williams. I mean, you can't pick. There's no way that you can really pick anybody else on the women's side from a serving standpoint. I, you just can't. There, There is no second. <laughs> there is just Serena. <laughs> I mean, and you hear, come on, man. Yeah, and you hear everybody acknowledge that. And, and some of the aspects of her serve, I mean, obviously, she has the miles per hour on the first serve. Uh, she's got the kick available for her on the second serve if she needs. Yep. She has the ability from the same ball toss to hit her serve anywhere in the box. And so from a returner's perspective, it makes it very difficult to get a read on her serve. Right. And then she's clutch. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, Serena, I'm sorry. You just can't, you simply cannot pick anyone outside of Serena. So folks, we apologize, but that is the one exception. Everybody else, male and female, will be different on our list. But that serve... Serena by far (laughs) is going to hold that one. (laughs) Exactly. So what's next for us, Isaac? Well, let's 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 jump to you know kind of that you know how they say serve and forehand. So since we got the person uh, the serve with Serena, let's jump to the forehand. So Bryce, who do you have for the forehand for the ladies? They even gave it a name. I think mm-hmm. they called it Fraulein Forehand. <laughs> and if you don't know who I'm talking about, I am talking about the one and the only Steffi Graf. Um, her forehand was so mean that every other shot in her arsenal basically was a setup for her forehand. You know, if she popped in a nice serve, that second shot was our forehand winner. If she was hitting that very low, low, very biting backhand slice, it was setting her up for a forehand. Don't put no powder puff serve out there because <laughs> she's going to whack it with that forehand. And then even with her movement, her ability to run around her backhand and hit that inside out forehand and even eventually to just devastate you with that down the line forehand I, I just, for me, I, I just feel like you can't get any better than that on the forehand side in the women's game. I, I, I 
Yeah, I I have to agree. For Steffi's forehand was just ridiculous. <laughs> Good Absolutely. choice, man. Thank you. I ended up choosing Miss Lindsay Davenport. Um, to uh-huh. me, Lindsay's forehand stroke was just so clean. And the thing I love about Lindsay was just simply the sound the ball made when it <laughs> hit her racket. It just was like it was like an explosion. It was sick how live her forehand was um and just her overall game i love lindsey davenport so you know to me this was this was definitely you know uh, uh, a um she 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 earned that so yeah i have lindsey as uh my forehand pick for my uh for my 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 player and full disclosure forehand was one of the areas that we had the same player isaac Correct. initially picked Steffi as well. So just to let you know, we were on the same page truly with Steffi, but um, he was a team player and and picked his number two, <laughs> Lindsey Davenport. So for for the third category for the for the other ground stroke backhand, there were a lot of really good people uh, to pick from on the backhand side. And so Isaac, who did you pick for the ladies backhand? Yeah, so this this is another one of those categories similar to the forehand. To me, the backhand. I mean, if, yeah, it's it. There's just <laughs> one of the greatest backhands ever, uh, Miss Venus Williams, the queen. Yeah. Uh, yeah. To me, Bryce, when Venus was in her prime, that backhand was just ridiculous. I mean, she she was like, oh god, she just clowned on that backhand side, and I always. <laughs> always loved the fact that her preparation was so early on the backhand side. I love that look. I love the fact that that racket would go back instantaneously when it was going right. on, on the backhand side. And she would whip that thing cross court or whip it down line. There was rarely a backhand that Venus missed. Like I said, in her heyday, no, that was money right there. That Yeah, that got her a whole bunch of houses and and clothing <laughs> lines. <laughs> yeah, that. so yes, my pick is uh, the queen, Miss Venus Williams, bruh. How about yourself? Well, once again, this yeah. was an area that Isaac and I had the same <laughs> player. I, I totally agree with every single thing that Isaac just said about her backhand. Her backhand was money, money, money. But where this worked out for me is there are two categories that I was really looking at Venus at. So... If Isaac was going to take her for the backhand, I moved Venus to the other category that we'll talk about a little later. Now, although I personally wasn't a huge fan of this next person I'm about to name, who I did select as my backhand, you can't deny she had one of the most beautiful backhands in the world. As a matter of fact, uh, I used to always refer to it as um, one of the greatest strokes, one-handed strokes I'd ever seen on uh, a female tennis player, and that was Justine Inna. That one-handed backhand that she had was, you talk about when a ball exploded off of a racket, mm-hmm. that's absolutely what it did with Justine. I mean, she, and, and then also you had to take in consideration, what was Justine, like five, six? Uh, or, yeah, probably on like a good that? day. Right, right, right. She she was not uh, a very tall or or large woman. And so the power that she was able to generate off of that one-hander was insane. And then the angles. 
I mean, she could hit that backhand where it with with the top spin, it would just absolutely just curve right off the court. Um, I would not mind having that backhand <laughs> at all. <laughs> so I go with Justine on the backhand side. Yeah, I I I I won't hate on you with that. I I do also, you know, since that French Open, I can barely look at her. Uh, but I do agree <laughs> with you on uh, that stroke. She she her backhand was live. That is, but she is old. Yeah. Yeah. So that next stroke that we have would be the net game. Mm. And, and man, so for me, you know, because, you know, our, our history in tennis is a lot different. I kind of came in the, in the mid to late 90s, and I know you were watching tennis well before me. Um, but the one that I guess I just know the most about was was Martina, Martina Navratilova. I mean, oh, yeah. those volleys, just mm. they, they were just sick. Her game was sick, and those volleys were just, I mean, you just talk about someone with great feel and touch. I mean, come on, she won a Grand Slam mixed doubles at 49. Um, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> let us be clear, folks. Martina Navratilova is the she. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so absolutely. That, that was definitely my uh, my pick for the net game, Bryce. How about yourself? Well, and we're going to sound a little bit like a broken record here, but once again, this was a category where Isaac and I had the same uh, player. I mean, you've probably heard me say on several of the podcasts that for me personally, and, you know, I love Serena and everything, yeah. but for me, when I think greatest of all time, as a complete story of a tennis player, for me, that's Martina Navratilova. And so I, once again, totally agree with everything that Isaac said about her with the volley. She was my number one pick as well. But I definitely had a number two. And my number two for the net game was Billie Jean King. And if you go back and you watch footage of Billie Jean King, she just had the most pristine technique at the net. And she really dominated from there. And, um, and, and because of everything that Billie Jean King has done outside of the game of tennis, she's always got to be on every list for me. <laughs> and, 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 and for me, she best fits at the net game. And then, of course... Her name is the name of a Michael Jackson song, so that <laughs> that cleared a little bit of weight with me as well. But um, definitely, Martina, Billie Jean King, two of the greatest uh, net players in the history of the women's game. So, Absolutely great, brother. So moving on to the next category, we have return of serve. And, yeah. and, and I don't know about you, Isaac, but this was a challenging one for me because... You know, with the women's game, you tended to have more players that had stronger returns of serve than you had stronger servers. Right. And, um, you know, for me, the player that I thought of when I thought about very punishing returns, uh, that person was Lindsay Davenport. And, and Isaac, when you talked earlier about that forehand – you really could say it about her whole ground stroke game, the backhand, the forehand. And so for me, the return of serve kind of uh, embodied all that. Because if you gave her any kind of serve that didn't make her move or didn't have some action on it, she punished that ball. And um, just such a heavy, 
heavy uh, return of serve. Uh, that was my pick for sure. So, Isaac, who did you pick? Yeah, honestly, Bryce, I can definitely agree with you on the Lindsay pick. My The pick that I have, which is kind of similar to what exactly what you were saying, uh, but the person that I picked for return of serve was actually Maria Sharapova for pretty much a lot of the reasons that you just suggested or mentioned uh, for Lindsay. Again, not the greatest mover, but if it was in her wheelhouse, Sharapova was going to strike it, and she was going to really try and knock the the, the fuzz off the ball right. as it relates to her return serves, you know. And then she had that grunt, of course. So <laughs> oh. just to rub it, just to rub it in a little bit, a little bit more. Um, right. But yeah, yeah. If she got it in her wheelhouse, you know, she was going to take a serious swing at it. And so, uh, yeah, I definitely uh, enjoyed uh, watching Maria uh, put some uh, return of serves uh, into play and or get winners. So that was my pick, man. Okay, that's I, I. Although once again, like Justine may not be the biggest fan of that particular player, uh, I I can't deny she had a very very good return of serve. Yeah. All right, man. So our sixth category, man. What about that movement, movement. <laughs> <laughs> now for me, uh-huh. this was. Now, remember earlier I stated, you know, I had Venus originally in the backhand category, but, you know, I deferred to Isaac because I was also contemplating putting her in this very category, and that's exactly what I did. Um, when, and Isaac, I think you were saying this to me earlier, and Venus was heyday. We're not, we're not talking about looking at her movement right now. Uh, <laughs> God love her. <laughs> yes, we love you, babe. Love you. <laughs> but, but in her heyday, she, Venus was like a gazelle out there. She mm-hmm. had the speed. She had agility. In terms of moving laterally on the baseline, Lindsay Davenport even said, you know, you couldn't get a ball, a ball past her. And then when you talk about her ability to move forward to the net, um, And once she got there, she had that tremendous wingspan up there. Uh, Venus was just, I mean, one of the absolute best movers of all time. And and, and on a surface like grass, where she was very successful, you know, grass was not always the easiest to move on. It can be a very slick surface. People lose their footing. They fall. Uh, You can easily be... um, caught going the wrong direction and get wrong-footed. Venus was very good about that. And something else I'm going to add in as we're talking, you may not think about this aspect when you think about movement, but once again, speaking very specifically about grass, where the ball bounces very low, for someone of Venus's height to get down as low as she did, Mm -hmm. and shot, uh, just absolutely you have to marvel at what she was able to do um, on the tennis court absolutely brother I mean you know I agree with you there I of course had her because initially folks you know we were plotting this thing out and see I wouldn't I wouldn't pay attention to rules so of course I had Venus in backhand and movement <laughs> and Bryce was like no <laughs> I was like damn it <laughs> so uh, he was nice enough to uh, allow me to, to pick her for backhand but yeah movement I went ahead with my second choice and I mean for me this young lady her movement around the court was just spectacular 
and I am talking about Miss Kim Kleisters. I will always remember uh-huh. Kim on that daggone hardcore sliding and doing them splits. Come on, man. Kim was just notorious for her movement and her ability to play defense, especially on hard courts, man. She, she to me, had just incredible movement around the court. Flexibility out the wazoo. Yeah, Kim, Kim, Kim did her thing on the courts. And uh, I know she's back on tour. Hopefully we'll get to see her you know, uh-huh. sometime this year because she's making that, you know, that third comeback, if you will. Um, but, yeah, that movement that Kim, Kim had in her, her heyday, it was quite impressive. So, yeah, that cluster slide. Yes, sir. That it was, it was money. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And so we, then we have our seventh category, Bryce, and that is the mental game. Because you got to have your mental. As you you got to have right. Madison Keys. Yeah, you got to <laughs> have your mental right. You can have all the talent in the world, but if your mental ain't right, <laughs> yeah, Madison Keys should win if she <laughs> if her if she can get her her mental right. Exactly. <laughs> well, so yeah, man. Well, and once again, like I said, I know this sounds like a broken record, but uh, Isaac and I had the same person. Yep. For mental toughness, and I'll let him share with you who that was. Uh, for him, uh, well, really for both of us. But I had a very, if the person Isaac is going to talk to you about was number one A, this person for me was number one B when it came to mental toughness. And I don't think everybody always remembers um, how tough a competitor she was, especially when she made her comeback. And the person that I'm talking about is Jennifer Capriati. Mm -hmm. She, She was a street baller. Uh, brawler, actually. Um, maybe she was a street brawler too. After her, <laughs> but she was a street brawler uh, when it came uh, to some of those Australian Open finals, semifinal matches at the French Open. I mean, just mental. She had. I think she had been through so much as a young teen on the tour, and then some of kind of the missteps she had off tour. That when she came back, she was so battle-tested emotionally that she was up for any challenge, and she had some miraculous wins uh, when she came back to win her... I think she won, was it three? Uh, was it three or four? Yeah, no, it's two Australian. Two so Australian, one French. one French, yeah. yeah. Um, if, if you talk about somebody having their back to the wall during a match, she she played that situation very well and she came out on top at a time that people some people had really kind of written her off yeah yeah so yeah capriati for me that's a that's definitely a a very valid uh uh choice my man and uh you know the one that we both had of course and again thank you for allowing me to keep uh this choice was monica sellis i mean monica's mental game was just sick I mean, when she went out there, she was like, she's, you know, she's going for blood. She's like, look, we bad, we out here battling, and it's like you trying to take money out of my pocket. Um, right. We're not, we not having that. And, I mean, yeah, Monica said you talk about street. Yeah, she was just straight hood when she got on the court. <laughs> she was like, I don't care who you are. I'll try to beat you down. And I loved that about Monica. It was just that mental fortitude. She just never wanted to lose a point. 
and it was incredible to see. And, and, you know, we all know Monica's story and kind of what happened with her. And, you know, she had a second act, but it wasn't, you know, she, she kind of came back not as, as hood, if you will, as, <laughs> her, as when she was initially, because when she was initially out there, she was, she was just kicking butt and taking names. And right. I think after the stabbing and everything, she kind of came back and it was a little bit more just kind of happy to be there and be back out mm-hmm. there versus that, you know, kill or be killed attitude that she had before. Um, so, but, but yeah, that first act, mm, mental game was all kinds of Monica Sellers. <laughs> and I tell you whose mental game she wrecked was Steffi Graff because Ooh. people, if you don't remember, Steffi was really the one who was coming up and was beating everyone. And Monica, unfortunately, at the time that she was stabbed, she had Steffi's number. And mm-hmm. I will continue to say, now granted, you know, Steffi beat who she she had to play, but she will always have an asterisk by her name, as far as I'm concerned, in terms of her number of titles, because if Monica had not been stabbed, yep. uh, we may really be talking about Monica being contending with what Serena has done. Right. Right. Um, Agree completely. That's fair. Uh, and then the last thing that I want to comment on our player that we were <laughs> picking for that, even when she came back, think about the mental fortitude it took to come back, period. Right. And to still win one more Grand Slam title. That's right. Yeah, that's right. So it's not like she just came back and flopped. I mean, she came back and, and won a Grand Slam. And, right. You know, that was just incredible on her part, man. Incredible. Yeah, I, I love Monica. Oh, loved her. Still do. So let's move over to the men. Yeah. And I don't think we have, you know, after we did our adjustments, of course, <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we have, we don't have the Serena situation over here. We have seven different players. And we're going to go ahead and start with the serve. And Isaac, who did you have for the serve? So for for my serve for the men, I picked uh, Pistol Pete. Um, got that for a reason. That serve was ridiculous. And I know Andre was like, oh, I hate you. I hate that serve because <laughs> you keep putting it on me and it is ridiculous. To me, Pete, you just talk about a clutch serve. I mean, my, my dude had a heavy first serve. And then that second serve, mm-hmm. I, it just, I mean, for, for Pete not to be a big guy, he, he, he he would he put some RPMs on the ball, and his his placement was just stellar. It was stellar, and um, I mean, I just like I said, I wasn't the biggest fan of Pete's. Um, uh-huh. In fact, yeah, not really. But but that serve, <laughs> you had to respect that serve. Yeah, you had to respect that serve because he was just like, I'm gonna put it on you, and I know it. I know it's going to come through for me when I need it. So boom, there you go. And yeah, it bought him a couple houses. <laughs> exactly and I feel the same way you do I, you know it's kind of tough and we've talked about this in previous episodes you know if you were an Andre fan it was tough to be a Pete fan and right. probably you know the reverse is true so Isaac and I were both very much in the Agassiz camp and so I couldn't stand Pete's efforts but, <laughs> uh, but that being said you, you do have to respect the serve he had an amazing first and second serve. Uh, And that kind of leads me to the person that I selected for serve because it isn't just about the first serve. Um, It that that we've heard so many times you're only as good as your second serve. And although we talk about John Isner 
as having one of the best first serves in the game, he may have the best second serve in the mm-hmm. game. Uh, I have so much respect for John Isner's serve, not just because we use the same racket. I wish I could do it, but, <laughs> but he could do. But he can bomb you off the court with the first serve, and that kick on his second serve is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Absolutely ridiculous. Yes, agree. Yeah, especially on that on the ad side when he kicks. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> Just making people look foolish. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so I go with John Isner. That's a great pick, my man. I honestly, I think if if my my second person would have been John. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, so we didn't have to switch on that one, folks. But but seriously, he would have definitely been my second pick. Woo! That serve was ridiculous. Um, <laughs> So on the forehand side, we yeah, the forehand was the toughest one because we were all over the place and there were a <laughs> bunch of people. I had a 1A, 1B, 1C, 1D. Um, <laughs> but I think overall I am definitely happy with my forehand pick, and that is Juan Martin Del Potro. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> that, forehand, <laughs> that forehand is just it, – it is, it is scary. That is one of those scary shots. I mean, it's just mm-hmm. not good. It's downright scary. When he runs to his forehand side, it's like, watch out. People are literally holding their breath when he hits his forehand. It's it's insane. So Juan Martin Del Potro definitely gets my vote on the forehand side because he just hits it with so much power. He's so accurate with it. And I just remember him putting it on so many top players. It's like, ooh, so ridiculous. So, um, so yeah, that's my pick for the forehand side, brother. How about you? Well, and 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 speaking of Del Potro, um, his forehand, the way he clubs it, reminds me of a male version of Lindsay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, yeah. they both yeah. just like clubbed that forehand. And like you said, we went round and round with this. And although the person that I picked, it wasn't my first choice because I ended up moving that person to another category. Mm-hmm. I picked, actually, Nadal. And Mm -hmm. the reason why I picked Nadal is, you know, Isaac picks Del Potro because that's just, I mean, he just hammers it. It's just a a hard, powerful shot. With Nadal's forehand, the variety is insane. I mean, he can pound it. The amount of RPMs he gets in terms of topspin and that ball just bouncing off of the court. Mm-hmm. I mean, he kills right-handers with a one-handed backhand. He yep. kills them throwing that that jumping forehand. And then the angles <laughs> that yep. Nadal can, can get with that forehand, it's, it's dangerous because you don't know what's going to come at you. And then whatever is coming at you is going to have so much action on the ball. It's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. So... I, I go with Nadal for my forehand. Yeah, that was my one B. <laughs> excellent, excellent Shoot. forehand. Yeah, now, sure. now flipping over to the backhand side, mm-hmm. um, you know, I love two-handed backhands. I, I really do. But just kind of like Justine, how I picked a, a, a dominant one-handed backhand, to me, the person that I selected it's kind of like the male version of Justine. <laughs> and that is Stan Wawrinka. I mean, mm-hmm. he 
Could you could you imagine Del? Well, I guess we're talking about it a little bit. Del Potro's forehand with Stan Wawrinka's backhand. Oh my goodness! Sick, <laughs> sick. You, I mean, you. I mean, you'd be scared. I mean, because there'd be so much power coming at you. It's like, oh my god. <laughs> he just, just absolutely wails on that backhand Ooh. and cross court down the line, top spin lob and. And protect your chest if you're at the net, because <laughs> exactly <laughs> he will come. He will come at you with that backhand, and it is just a beautiful stroke to watch. I I cannot disagree with that, my friend. I, I yes, I completely agree with you. Um, I think, folks, you probably know who we kind of competed over as our first choice, though, on the backhand <laughs> side. And once again, Bryce was very kind to allow me to keep said individual but i think both for both of us it it's it's andre agassi i mean <laughs> right. that backhand oh my god andre agassi's backhand he was to me the only player that i think i've ever seen that was literally his whole objective was to pin you in your backhand side and that's all he would do he would just hit backhand cross court he'd be like nope we stand right on your backhand cross court cross court cross court cross court and then he would just like okay i'm gonna go down the line boop winner <laughs> And just, just, I mean, just, he would play with people like that. It was just like, oh, my God, how live must your backhand be to just be able to pin people in that side of the court and not be scared? Be like, hey, right. I'm scared of you. Yeah, hey. your backhand is, it, yeah, just, it can't get with mine. So, yeah, go ahead, Bryce, yeah. No, I totally agree with you. And then to, to couple that with, you know, Andre's forehand wasn't no pump. No, it wasn't. Not so, at all. So if it happened to slide to that side of the court, you were still in trouble. Exactly. Because his ground strokes, he took the ball so early off the rise. And he, although he hit with top spin, with him hitting off the, the rise, the effect a lot of times was like he was hitting a flat shot. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. yeah, I, we, we both, when we went through our list, it was like backhand <laughs> agency. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yep. That's who we had. The, that's who we had. The one I, I will throw out a strong because um, we didn't have him on anywhere on the list. So I will throw this out as a just a you know a, a worthy mention, if you will. That mm-hmm. that Andy that Andy Murray got a great backhand. That Andy he Murray. He, he does. So he would probably be one one B one C for me. Because uh, yeah, that that Murray backhand is is, is special. Mm-hmm. And, and if we throwing out honorable mentions on the backhand side, and and he ain't nowhere on this list for sure, Kaden Shakori's backhand. Show sure enough. I mean, yeah, I don't have the words. You know, <laughs> I know, right? Yeah, there there's a whole bunch of two handers that we could have definitely selected from, but I think we picked the right two. We we did, we did. <laughs> So, yeah. so for net game, Isaac, who do you have? Yes. So for me, I, you know, I I had to go with the king, Bryce. I had to go with my boy Roger Federer because Roger to me, it's just because his game is so beautiful. <laughs> and when you have the net, it's such a beautiful thing. I just love seeing Roger at the net. I always have, and you know his his what eight eight Wimbledon titles. He got eight, right? Mm-hmm. Eight or yeah, nine? he got eight. Or he eight, got eight. 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 Yeah, and just because because seeing him at the net, it was just like he oh his game his net game is beautiful, 
and it's so natural and it's so clean. And I just had to give my net game uh, slot to Roger because, um, yeah, because it's beautiful. <laughs> what about and, you, my friend? Yeah. Well, and once again, full disclosure, that was Isaac's second choice. <laughs> um, and he, he allowed me this time to keep uh, who we both felt hands down. Just, yes. just there's no competition. If you talk about net game, and especially if you talk about just pure natural ability, reflexes, touch, there's nobody but tennis's all-time bad boy, John McEnroe. Uh, he, the, the guy looked like, first of all, he didn't even look like an athlete. <laughs> right? <laughs> he looked like he was walking out to the court to sit down in one of those lineman chairs, right? <laughs> But he had such a natural affinity for the game of tennis. He had such natural touch, natural reactions. Um, I, I, it just you go out there on YouTube, and I'm sure there is, you know, uh, a compilation of of John McEnroe shot and just <laughs> some of the things he did. Because let, let's remember, one of his biggest rivals was Yvonne Lindell, who mm-hmm. you know is my guy. Um, and Lindell, you know, although he had great passing shots, he preferred to go directly at McEnroe. <laughs> <laughs> and and Lindell won a bunch of those, but there were some volleys that McEnroe pulled out that were just insane. Just that's the only way you can describe it: insane. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Johnny Mac is the man. He definitely is the number one. He, oh, oh God, that net game, sick, sick, <laughs> right. Sick. <laughs> yeah alright Bryce so then the next category return to serve and for me and this was a toughie but that's that's kind of why we had the whole Andre thing because Andre was initially slated us uh, uh, sitting there but for me who in my eyes is most definitely at the top of the game as it relates to return would be Novak Djokovic Novak's right. return to service it's just it, it's money I mean, it's amazing to me how good he is at getting the ball back in play. And not only getting it back in play, but getting it back with with some level of offensiveness. Um, it, it's just, it, you know, it, it's what makes him one of the greatest players of all time. It's incredible how many serves he, he's just able to get back into play. So I, I, lo- I love his return game. Um, and I just think he, he yeah, he's, he's my guy. For that that particular shot for sure well i tell you i had the same person i had Djokovic, but i didn't feel good about it because <laughs> it's almost like i had to give him the nod for return of serve because he is just that good with the mm-hmm. return of serve yeah um but i'm not the biggest fan of Djokovic. I, he ain't like pete Sampras to me but you know <laughs> i i I'm not the biggest fan. So when Isaac decided to take Agassi for the backhand, mm-hmm. that freed me up to put Agassi <laughs> in return of serve. I mean, Agassi absolutely loved playing the big servers because there were so many times he sent the return of serve back faster than the serve came. <laughs> And because he had that ability to take the ball off the rise so well, 
that really played, you know, played very well for him when it came to return to serve. Uh, if you read his book, you remember he talked about his dad had that kind of modified tennis machine that they called the Dragon, I believe. Where That's he was right. Just, you know, he was just firing the balls at him. Well, that was just perfect practice for return to serve. And, um, that, and, and it's another reason why that Pete Sampras-Andre Agassi was one of the greatest rivalries in tennis. Because you had, as we've named in, in, in our, our, our ideal player, you had Pete Sampras with that serve. And then you had the exact opposite of that with Andre Agassi with the returner serve. And right. so it made for a great contrast. Uh, in their matchup. So, yeah, I can see all day for me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm with you, brother. I'm with you. Yes, so, sir. So we're down to our last two categories. Yeah. And um, the next one we have up is movement. So, Isaac, who did you have for movement? Ooh. Okay, so this is yet another category, folks, that uh, <laughs> Bryce was kind enough to allow me to take the person because in my eyes, there is absolutely no equivalent <laughs> to this man. Oh, my God. <laughs> he is so ridiculous. And that is Mr. Gael Monfils. Gael oh, yeah. Monfils, you, I, that speed, I mean, literally, he, he, it's amazing how many balls that dude can get back into play. And, mm-hmm. I mean, it, it, it's what it, it forces people to, to just play crazy. Because they know he's going to run down everything. I mean, you have to have stupid power, like Stan Wawrinka power, in order to have that level of power. He's going to run it down. And it's yep. just, it's insane how quick that guy is. I would love to see Gael hit, like, if they, just in his prime, if he were to go out, like, on the track and just, like, run a 100 or 50-yard dash, I would I would be so curious as to what his time would be because I feel like he probably would would have been an elite athlete in fact. Oh yeah. I really do. I yeah. really do. I mean it just his off the mark speed is just stupid. <laughs> it's right. crazy. So so yeah, Bryce, without without spending 50 minutes talking about how impressed I am with Guy Mosby's uh, movement, that that's the dude. Yes. <laughs> Wait a minute, I'm not through. Uh, <laughs> shout out during the Clark Cole. But um, when you talk about movement, there are different aspects of movement. And, and I, I hear you talking about the speed. But one of the things, too, that makes Gael just an amazing mover is his agility, his ability to change directions, his ability to jump and hit things out of the air and between the legs and just, I mean, it, it, it's, gosh, it's a beauty to watch. So absolutely, Isaac and I both zeroed in on Monfils as number one mover. Now, yes. I went with my number two mover, and it's for a completely different reason than Monfils. And this is where I put the king, Roger Federer. And the reason why I have him in movement is for two reasons. Number one, I think he has some of the best anticipatory skills out there. Right. He 
it's like he has just like this sense of knowing kind of where the ball is going to be, and he starts to move himself in that position. And when he's doing this, there have been so many people who have likened his movement to that of doing ballet. He just looks like he glides across the court. Even when he's running hard, it doesn't even look like he's putting that much effort into right. it. And I truly believe the way he moves on the court is part of the reason why he had such few um, injury issues the yeah. majority of his career because I don't think his playing style was very taxing on his body. Right. So, um, so when I think of someone who moves with grace and efficiency, it's hard to pick somebody above Roger Federer unless you yeah. pick my piece. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> I, I I couldn't agree with you more, brother. I could not agree with you more. Yeah, yeah. That, yes, great choice. Last one, brother. Last one. Mental. Who's got that mental game? Yeah. For me, yeah. For me, it just, I had to give this category to Rafa. Um, mm -hmm. Rafa, to me, is just... He's a rock, man. I mean, like, it's, you know, they, they, they call him, you know, like a boxer. He gets in the ring, and he's just like, yo, let's go. And his mental fortitude is just, it is strong. And I think what impressed me the most about Nadal and just his mental game was, you know, he was getting stolen on by Federer for the most part, you know, everything outside of clay. But he had in his mind, I'm going to win Wimbledon. And... He got himself mentally right. He he tied up his game, and he mentally got up in there, and he made that happen, dude. I mean, mental fortitude. I mean, Nadal is just I, I got to give my dude that he he is he is never one to crack. I don't know that I've ever seen Nadal look like he's you know like you know just just mentally out of it. It always just kind of looked well. I guess the only time I would say that was when he got that beat down from Novak about Australian Open. <laughs> yeah. Nobody did, yeah, Novak clowned on him pretty good, and he just was like, "I ain't got no answer for this, mofo." Um, <laughs> outside of that match, Rafa's mental fortitude has just always been so blasted strong. So I, I gave that category. And listeners, of course, this was another category that we had the same person. I, I had a, That's right. Yeah, I had originally picked Rafa as well. I mean, I think Paul Anacone made some sort of statement like, if you had one point that needed to be played for your life, who would you put on the court? Mm -hmm. You know, how could you not pick Rafa? You know, you know he's going to give everything he has in his fight to try to win that point. But by not picking Rafa in this category, it gave me an opportunity to give some shine to my favorite male player of all time. Well, I guess that's technically Roger now, but when I was coming up, this was mm -hmm. my favorite player of all time, no question, and that is Yvonne Lindell. Uh, Yvonne Lundell did not give a damn about what you thought about him, his name, <laughs> his sawdust that he left at the baseline, you know. <laughs> I mean, your thoughts about him losing his first four, um, you know, Grand Slam finals, uh, whether you thought he was friendly, whether you thought he was, he did not care. And his whole goal was to go out there and to win. And whether 
you know, and that whole journey for him started before he got on the court. I mean, where Martina Navratilova was one of the, you know, maybe the pioneer on the fitness side for the women. That was Yvonne Lindell on the men. He was a machine. And, you know, some people may have said he was a little fragile initially when he didn't win those first, I think, four Grand Slam finals. But, boy, he got on a roll after that. And uh, there's not too many people that can say they made it to the finals of the U.S. Open eight years in a row. That's crazy. Uh, So when he got in there, John McEnroe could have all the antics he wanted. Uh, Jimmy Connors could have all the antics he wanted. I think one time Agassi gave Jimmy Connors two breadsticks, and I couldn't have been happier uh, (laughs) to see that happen. Uh, So anyway, Yvonne Lindell, you're my guy. And... um, he he just was an absolute mental beast on the court. Awesome, man. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, bro. So hey folks, yeah, that's our that's our male and female player right there for you. What do you think? Yeah, and if, <laughs> if you have other ideas, hey, we know you're at home. So hey. why don't you or you should be at home. <laughs> um, right. you know, go out there, go to our website www.brothersontennis.com and that's B-R-U-T-H-A-S on tennis.com let us know your thoughts drop us a word on Facebook on Instagram on Twitter Uh, let us know if you think differently about some of these shots and and the players that we selected Um, the other thing that I wanted to bring up to you is you know we'll probably be back in a day or two and we'll do a different episode and we'll talk about something completely different if you have any ideas for episodes for us during this coronavirus stay at home shelter at home uh quarantine uh time frame i don't even know what to call it anymore Uh, (laughs) just keep your butt at home right right Uh, exactly let us know. We, we, we'd love to, to tackle something that you would think would be very interesting. Absolutely. We're always up for ideas, folks. And it, like I said, tennis-related or not, hey, we're always open to, you know, talk about something that's, uh, that's fun. So, Absolutely. Absolutely. So we're wrapping this up. We'll talk to you again in another couple of days. This is your boy, Bryce. This is your boy, Isaac. And we are Brothers on Tennis. Everyone, please stay safe out there. Take care. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.